You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the editor of Dunking with Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the fan side of network. Today's episode of Locked On Wolves is brought to you by Truebill. Truebill is the new app that saves you money by helping you identify and stop paying for the subscriptions you don't want or need and can even negotiate better deals on those you want to keep. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Happy Hump Day and happy Timberwolves game day. Wolves Nuggets tonight from Denver. We're going to talk about that here to close the show. We'll do a little game preview. Before that, plenty of other stuff to get to. First of all, thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. Remember, Lockdown Wolves is free and available on all platforms. That includes YouTube, as well as all your favorite audio platforms from Apple to Google, Spotify, Odyssey, etc. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and at B Beacon. That's B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. So as mentioned, we'll close the show today with the Wolves Nuggets preview, checking on what Denver's been up to and what's really kind of been a disappointing season. But all things considered, given the injuries and illnesses they've dealt with, um, they're in an okay spot in the West. So we'll get to that at the end of the show. Uh, Before that, we'll talk power rankings. Uh, It's, it's, uh, you know, typically we do that on Tuesday or Wednesday show. So where, what's the global you know, view of the Timberwolves, according to, I guess, the, the 10,000 foot view of the NBA blogosphere, where are all the, you know, the, the, the big sites ranking the Timberwolves, uh, based on where they're sitting right now at 12 and 15. And then I want to start what I want to get into right away here is three things that don't make sense about the Timberwolves so far this season. Um, and there's obviously a litany of things that have gone, maybe not according to plan, but there's three things that are negative that are shocking that don't make sense and should bounce back at some point. At least two of the three should. So let's get into that. The first one's the one that I don't really know if the roster is currently constructed can do better than this, but I still don't know that it really makes sense and I can't quite figure out why. Uh, so number one thing that doesn't make sense about the Timberwolves this season, how bad they are as a defensive rebounding unit. Now, let me let me start by saying they've been bad for several years now. So I, I get that. I, I don't I don't completely not understand why this is happening, right? Because the roster, it's it's a lot of its roster construction, part of its philosoph- philosophical um, in terms of uh, trying to get, well, I shouldn't say that, a, a little bit, right? And trying to get back on the fast break and score quickly. The Wolves are occasionally uh, guilty of that, right? They'll have contestant, re- uh, they'll have too many guys try and contest and release or linger on the perimeter, not box out on the perimeter, or at least not check somebody on the perimeter after contesting a shot. And the Timberwolves just get beat on the offensive glass by the opposing team. That happens. That's that's that part's certainly not by design, but there are some teams that will have guys leak out more frequently or in certain situations. And, and I think the floor balance that the Wolves have is, is off a lot of times too, but certainly personnel is an issue. Uh, the Timberwolves team leader in, in uh, rebound percentage is Jared Vanderbilt at 18.1%, which is a good mark. He is the best pound for pound rebounder on this team. Um, but I mean, you got to have more than one guy with a rebound rate greater than, you know, one individual player with a rebound rate greater than 15%. Um, you just do. I mean, you look at uh, the Nuggets, the Nuggets are, yeah, that's who the Wolves play. They've got a couple of guys in the rotation that are that are in that neighborhood or higher, not to mention Nikola Jokic. He's got a whopping 23.3% total rebound rate. Um, so Vando's great. Towns has been okay. This is his worst year in terms of rebounding for his career, just 14% rebound rate. Nas Reed is the only other regular rotation player over 10% at 11.3. Bomaro's at 10.5, but he's now suddenly out of the rotation again. So, um, But they've got a bunch of guys between 8% and 10%, basically, in terms of total rebound rate. 
and that's just total. I'm not, that's, that's total, not defensive and defensive rebounding is, is the biggest concern. They're 28th in defensive rebounds per game. They are still dead last in defensive rebound percentage, which is a better measure, uh, obviously removes pace from the equation. They were languishing in the 69 to 70% defensive total rebounds. If you're not familiar with that metric, all that's saying is the total percentage of available rebounds on the floor when the Wolves are on defense, the Wolves were only grabbing, they were shy of 70% up until about a week ago, maybe 10 days ago. Now they're at 73.1%. They've done a lot better of late, um, but they're still dead last in the league. They're 30th in defensive rebound percentage. So that means that as of right now, coming into the game against Denver, 26.9% of possible uh, of opponent misses are getting rebounded by opponents. So more than every one in every four opponent shots that doesn't go in is still rebounded by the opponent. That's really bad. Why is this team so bad in the defensive glass? Jared Vanderbilt's good. Towns is okay. He needs to do better. Their backup center, Nas Reed's never been a very good defensive rebounder, which is one of his biggest issues. I, I would argue it's his biggest problem as a pro and why I don't think he's a starting caliber center. Um, I don't know that he, I mean, obviously you can improve, but that's an area he's just always been poor at. But some of the other athletes, obviously Jade McDaniels is a little bit slight in frame. Um, and a lot of times is on the perimeter because of, you know, the, the matchups he's got defensively. But I mean, you've got athletic players like Anthony Edwards, Josh Okoge for his size is an okay rebounder. Torian Prince should be a better rebounder. Malik Beasley needs to rebound his position better. D'Angelo Russell's really struggled. Um, 6.2% rebound rate, which is really low for, even for D'Lo. Uh, he's a big bodied guard. And um, the Wolves just have to collectively do better defensive rebounding as a team. Again, there is a cap on what they can do because of the personnel and the lineups they run out there. But they should be—they shouldn't be the league's worst defensive rebounding team. I think that's uh, that's clear. So that's the first one that doesn't make sense. And and I don't know if there is truly a light at the end of the tunnel or not when it comes to that. Um, but I thought it was notable. Uh, the second thing is. I talked about this maybe a week ago, but it's relevant and, and it is still, it still boggles the mind. How many guys on this team are shooting a career worst percentage from outside the arc is just shocking. If you missed this the other day, the Timberwolves have four regular rotation players who are shooting their career worst. They're all guys who are uh, average or better three point shooters for their career. The Timberwolves have one guy shooting above league average from three. That's Carl Anthony Towns, 42.3% obviously a fantastic mark. Everybody else is below league average. There are four players who are actually shooting their worst three-point percentage in their career as of right now. Malik Beasley, 34.3%. Just just far below where he's at for his career. Patrick Beverly, same thing, 33.3%. D'Angelo Russell, 33%. Torian Prince, who has been in and out of the rotation quite a bit, but 30.9% from three. These guys were all average at worst three-point shooters before this season. And they're all now, I mean, league average like eight years ago was 33%. And except for Malik Beasley, they're all at or below that. So not even just their career averages, but the actual league average mark. It defies logic. It's not like the Wolves aren't generating open three-pointers. They are. Um, and obviously the volume's really high, but Malik Beasley's always been a high volume three-point shooter. He's at 34.3% for his career. He's a 38.3% three-point shooter. And that includes this season. Um, last year, he shot just as many threes per game. His three-point rate was maybe a little bit lower because he played a little bit more or a lot more, I guess, last season. But he he was roughly a 40% three-point shooter last year. Uh, Malik is... is probably the best example. Patrick Beverly is a career 38% three-point shooter. He's shooting 33.3% from beyond the arc this season. Does it make sense? D'Angelo Russell, 
Another example, this season he is shooting 33% from three, which is his worst since 2000, uh, the 2017-18 season. So I guess um, I'm slightly off on that one because he bumped this up. So his career worst is 32%. He's currently at 33% uh, or 32.4%. So he's 0.06 ahead of his career worst. But uh, before the Portland game, he was shooting his career worst from beyond the arc. 33%, he's a career 35.8% three-point shooter. Torian Prince is, of course, the one who plays the least and the Wolves rely on the least. He also last year had his career best three-point shooting at 40%. For his career, he's 36.7, but he's under 31% this season at 30.9%. It defies logic. It can't be, it can't continue this way. They can't have four essentially guys, rotation guys, assuming Prince works his way back in eventually, but uh, two starters in Beverly and Russell, three of their top five scorers in Russell, Beasley, and Beverly, and Torian Prince all shooting career worse from three. The whole thing is those guys were all supposed to shoot 37, 38, 39, 40%. And buoy this offense when Towns gets doubled in the post and and provide support for Towns and and make this a top 10 offense. That hasn't come to fruition. And again, it's not that they're not generating the open looks. They're just simply not knocking down open looks. That's the biggest issue. Okay. The third thing that doesn't make sense, we're going to get to in just a second before we look at power rankings and then eventually Wolves Nuggets. So we're going to do all that here next. First though, Let's talk about our friends over at Stance. If you've been hearing, if it feels like you've been hearing a lot about Stance Apparel lately, well, it's because you have. They've just launched a brand new line of active apparel. Plus, it's holiday gifting time. Stance is the coolest gift that you can give. Uh, they have incredibly comfortable and well-made socks, shirts, joggers, hoodies. Uh, it's so much better than the boring old socks, underwear, and apparel that you've always had to settle ba- settle for back in the day. Stance changed that mindset by offering color, comfort, and creativity like no other. Founded in 2009, Stance Apparel represents a radical reinvention of socks, underwear, and active apparel. With a sharp focus on comfort, quality, and creativity, Stance brings an atypical aesthetic alongside some of pop culture's hottest collaborators for the ultimate in style and self expression because everything you wear should be a direct extension of who you are and how you feel. Right now, there's tons of awesome collaborations out there, things that I really like. Uh, the Office, my favorite show of all time. There's Disney, there's Marvel, there's Major League Baseball, which I love. Uh, uh, NBA collaborations out there right now with Stance. And also Pixar. Obviously, my kids are big Pixar and Disney fans as well. Um, Stance believes that the perfect fit matters more than fitting in. Those who feel good, do good. Go see for yourself. Register for an account at stance.com and get 15% off your first purchase. That's promo code Locked On when you register for your account to get your 15% off. You put in the promo code locked on at checkout to apply. Enjoy the color and comfort of a life less ordinary with Stance. Okay, um, let's talk about the third thing that doesn't make sense about this year's Timberwolves. Number one was the defensive rebounding issues, dead last in the league with the athletes on this team. With how, And also, I didn't mention this earlier, how good they are offensive rebounding the ball. Doesn't make sense. The second thing is their career low three-point per shooting percentage of four rotation players, four of the top nine players in the Timberwolves rotation this season are shooting career worst, all guys who are above average shooting threes before this season. The third thing is Anthony Edwards struggling at the rim. We talked about this a week or two ago. Um, about how bad he's been inside three feet. And by bad, I mean, he's still only a little below league average, so he's not been horrific. But given his athletic ability and also the eye test, I mean, if you're a casual observer, if you're if you're not a Timberwolves fan, if you see the Ant Dunk highlights on, on Twitter and you pop in on League Pass every now and again, the Timberwolves actually have a national TV game this Friday against the Lakers. Maybe you'll catch him on national TV this Friday. You probably assume that Anthony Edwards is a 65% shooter at the rim that he's dunking on everybody, that he's getting and ones and finishing at the rim all the time. 
Um, well, no, not exactly. He, this year, is shooting 54.8% within three feet, which is just a tick above last year, 54.7%. Um, and it just, it if you watch all the games, if you're a big Timberwolves fan, you're watching the games, the eye test would back that up. Um, you've seen him miss layups by a fraction, right? How many times do we see him go too hard off the glass? Occasionally, he'll leave a layup short, but oftentimes, it's just too hard off the glass and it rims out. Um, that's the most frequent issue. He'll occasionally, occasionally miss a reverse layup. We don't really see him miss dunks very often. Um, he'll get an offensive rebound and miss a putback. We've seen that a little bit. He doesn't get that many offensive rebounds to begin with, but, um, he's also between five and nine feet, only making 30% of his shots, which he doesn't shoot a lot from there, but basically he doesn't have a floater game, um, and kind of gets stuck in no man's land in that scenario. Uh, Lucas, uh, C. over at, um, at Canis Hoopus wrote about this the other day. Um, I think this was actually just on Tuesday. And he talked a little bit about how he's been slightly below. I mean, exactly this. He's been slightly below average. Uh, and he he just simply can't finish around big men at the rim, despite his 40 plus inch vertical, despite his length and, and, and the strength that he plays with, uh, the physicality that Ant does have when he goes to the rim. Um, and I don't know that it's really a lack of feel uh, because... Because Ant knows basically when to drive. He can get all the way to the rim. It's just he's missing. It's the touch at the rim that that isn't quite there. And, and again, often it's he's just throwing the ball too hard off the glass and it rims out. That tends to be the biggest issue. He also kind of gets tunnel vision as he goes through him. We don't see him kick the ball out very often. And I should have pulled the b-ball index numbers. But his, his pass out percentage on assists isn't going to be great uh, because when he puts his head down and goes to the rim, he's generally trying to score, uh, as he should be. But I think to keep defenses on their toes and to also just kind of improve or, or, or really to keep shot blockers on their toes and, and thus improve his chances of finishing at the rim when he does try and finish, uh, he needs to occasionally kick the ball to a teammate on the perimeter or drop it off to a Vanderbilt or a Towns at the rim for a dunk. Um, so there's some stuff there that needs to get cleaned up. I, I have high confidence that this will improve. I don't know that it's this year, uh, but there's no excuse for Ant shooting sub 55% at the rim with how athletic and strong he is. So the three things that don't make sense this year for the Wolves, defensive rebounding issues, career low three-point shooting percentages for Russell, Prince, Beasley, and Beverly. And then the third thing is Anthony Edwards struggling to finish at the rim. If two of those three things get figured out to like a, an average level, right? If two of those four guys actually start making threes, if they can be the 20th best defensive rebounding team instead of the 30th, if Ant can shoot 62% at the rim, if two of those three things happen, I mean, this team's automatically a couple games better to this point, and they probably easily get a play-in spot. It, they're just silly things that need to get cleaned up for the Wolves. And, and yes, the roster makeup, roster balance uh, has something to do with that. And hopefully Sasha Gupta makes some changes to the roster here moving forward as well. Um, okay, let's jump right into the power ranking thing. I won't spend a lot of time on this, but uh, basically I, I think it's good to check in and see what the national folks think of the Timberwolves across the landscape, how they compare to everyone else. Some of these rankings were done uh, prior to the Portland game on Sunday. I think most of them actually were done Monday though. So like, for instance, uh, over at CBS Sports, Colin Ward-Henninger has been hot and cold on the Wolves all year. Early on, he had them ranked really high. He actually had them as high as 14 just a couple of weeks ago. Now they're all the way down to 25. And he did this again before the win over Portland. So they were 11 and 15 when he did his rankings. He had them 25th on his list. Pretty much everyone else feels the same about the Wolves. All the other sites have Minnesota between 20 and 22. 
the athletic would be the one Zach Harper at the athletic has always been a little hard on the wolves. He has them at, at 22, which is down just one spot from last week. Uh, John Schumann of NBA.com. Uh, I want to go back to him in a second. He's got them at 21. So does sports illustrated ESPN has the wolves at 20, which is down a spot from 19. Um, so 20 to 22, that feels about right. It's maybe a little low. I probably have them in the 18 to 19 range, but Again, I'm quibbling. John Schumann at NBA.com, I, I've called him out almost every week because he always has an interesting tidbit that as somebody who covers the Timberwolves and watches every single minute of every single game, um, I, you know, I would have known, but like maybe didn't necessarily put this all together. And he finds these incredible stats. You can learn a lot about every team in the league by reading the NBA.com power rankings every week. But he's got Minnesota at 21. And he touted last week the Timberwolves having the, the league's best five-man unit of, of any five-man lineup that's played significant minutes together. This week, he said he called it the greatest lineup ever, in all caps, uh, was was reassembled on Sunday in Portland because D'Angelo Russell came back from injury. Of course, prior to that, Towns had missed a game. Patrick Beverly had missed time. Um, but the five of them played together on Sunday for the first time in a while. And I'm going to pull up the, his exact words so that I'm not paraphrasing because I think this is just, this is fantastic. Um, but... He, he spent some time kind of evaluating uh, this lineup specifically. So the lineup, of course, the starting lineup of D'Angelo Russell, Patrick Beverly, Anthony Edwards, Jared Vanderbilt, Carl Anthony Towns, calling him the greatest lineup ever, outscored the Blazers on, on Sunday by 20 points in just 16.1 minutes in a five-point win for the Wolves. So far this season, that five-man lineup, Pat Bev, D'Lo, Ant, Vando, and Towns together, have outscored opponents by 106 points in just 108 minutes. That's 50 points plus 50 per 100 possessions. That's insane. Um, obviously, still a, a grand scheme of things, a smallish sample size. I get that. It's not sustainable at that rate. But clearly, there's something here with the length and the defensive chops of Pat Bev and Vando, D'Lo playing defense better. Um, obviously, the offensive, the dynamic offensive Edwards, Russell, and Towns. And, you know, Beverly theoretically being a good enough shooter, although he's been struggling this year, and Vanderbilt being a good enough rebounder paired with Towns to be actually really well-rounded. Um, now, obviously, the Wolves need to watch Beverly's minutes carefully, and, and for that reason, this lineup's not going to see a ton of run. Um, I, I mean, it should see a lot of run, but there, there's a ceiling to what it can do, right? Um, but it's fascinating, and I thought this was a really cool uh, a cool thing pointed out by Schumann. Also, I'll just read the rest of what he had because I thought it was cool. Um, he says... Uh, that the, the Timberwolves pick and roll defense got eviscerated by the Hawks, Jazz, and Cavs last week. Atlanta and Utah each drained 25 three-pointers. We, we knew that. We didn't talk, talk about that again. He says, uh, but with Russell on the floor, they've allowed 17.2 fewer points per 100 possessions. That's the best on-off differential on defense among 283 players who have played at least 300 minutes. And it's almost as crazy a stat as the greatest lineup ever is plus 106 in 108 minutes. So, I mean... I could have put this on my list of most surprising things about the Timberwolves so far. And I guess if we're looking at positive things, this would be on the positive side of the ledger that they're a much better defensive team with D'Angelo Russell on the floor than they are without him, which maybe speaks just as much to the other lineup combinations, Sans D'Lo, whether that's Jordan McLaughlin, who saw his minutes cut, Landra Balmaro has gotten some tough defensive assignments, but has underwhelmed on both ends of the floor. Um, just fascinating that D'Lo is suddenly, apparently, this defensive stalwart. And I, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but we're a third of the way through the season. And so far, that's kind of held up. Um, so anyway, that's the power rankings, uh, the peak at the power rankings next. I want to look at Wolves Nuggets and what to look out for on Wednesday night when the Timberwolves are in the Mile High City. First, though, let's talk about our friends at BetOnline.ag. BetOnline has you covered all season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before. 
As football season continues to march to the playoffs and the NBA closes in on the one-third mark in the schedule, BetOnline remains your number one spot. For all the sports action this season, head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just simply use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive that 50% welcome bonus. From basketball to football, NHL to boxing and UFC, right on down to your your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Let's also talk about Built Bar. This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or even better than a candy bar that is. Built Bar filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but still amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat, yet high in protein. You'll get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. Built Bar gives you that extra fuel you need to bust down those mall doors and battle all the holiday shoppers. Or if you're just standing in endless shopping lines, Built Bar can give you that extra something to keep you going. So throw one in your jacket or your purse. You never know when you're going to need it. Want to cozy up with something warm? Here's a holiday secret. Dip your Built Bar into a piping hot cup of cocoa. Let it melt a little. Give your beverage a bit of that Built Bar flavor. Plus, you'll have a nice melty Built Bar to go with it. Be sure to have a couple napkins on hand. It will be messy, but it also will be delicious. If you like some of those marshmallowy treats around the holidays, you must get your hands on Built Bar Puffs. They're light, fluffy, and marshmallowy through and through. Different flavors, all covered in chocolate. And trust me, they taste so good, you will not believe that they're filled with protein. But they are. Go to built.com, use promo code LOCK15, you'll get 15% off your order. Again, built.com, promo code LOCK15, you'll get 15% off your order. All right, let's close the show today by talking Wolves Nuggets. So, Denver's obviously been a little bit disappointing if you look at the standings. They sit here um, at, what are they, 14 and 13 now. And uh, no, you know, coming into this game, there's no rest advantage for either team. Both teams played on Sunday. Uh, actually, Denver played on Monday. I, so I take that back. The Wolves have a one-day rest advantage, but nobody's on a back-to-back. It's in Denver. Minnesota traveled in from Portland, had the extra day off. Uh, Denver is 14 and 13, but they were below 500 until they won three out of their last four. In fact, coming into this game or coming into the month, Denver and Portland, who the Wolves just beat on Sunday, of course, were the only two teams on the schedule that had below 500 records coming into the month. And now uh, Denver, or excuse me, Portland is the only one because Denver is above 500. So when the Wolves actually take on Denver, they'll be taking on an above 500 team. So Denver's 14 and 13, the Wolves are 12 and 15. And uh, again, they've won three out of the last four. They're playing a lot better lately, but they still have a lot of injuries and a lot of guys playing now that were not in the rotation earlier this season. That's a credit, obviously, to to Mike Malone and the staff for getting this team ready to play. But beyond the Jamal Murray thing, obviously, we we knew that they weren't going to have Jamal Murray for much of, if not all of this season. But, you know, early in the season, uh, P.J. Dozier went down a few weeks ago. Michael Porter Jr. went down a few weeks ago. These guys that were in the rotation to start the year are are just, they're out now. And I mean, Dozier played against the Timberwolves in the, what was it, the fifth game of the season. Um, obviously, uh, Michael Porter Jr. was supposed to be a huge part of this team. Uh, didn't have a great game the last time these two teams played, but he's out for the season. And then they've got some smaller, you know, some things, some guys that are nicked up. Jamichael Green didn't play Monday with an ankle. Will Barton didn't play Monday due to illness. And Austin Rivers is in health and safety protocols and, and isn't expected back, uh, not for Wednesday. Um, so this is a, a pretty depleted team. I mean, look at the guys. If you look at the Nuggets game just the other day, they had guys, uh, I mean, Minneapolis or Minnesota native Zeke Naji is in the rotation now. Uh, Marcus Howard's in the rotation now. Those are guys that received DNP CDs the last time the Wolves played the Nuggets. They did not play 
in the Nuggets, 93-91 over the Wolves back at the end of October. And now the rotation pieces for a team that had designs on a top, you know, two, three seed in the West and is right now struggling to kind of stay above that 500 mark. Uh, you look at the last time these two teams played, this was way back. The Wolves had started the season, remember, 2-0. They had uh, a bad loss and then they had a win. They were 3-1 and coming into this game. And the Wolves actually played fairly well against the Nuggets. They scored 32 points in the first quarter, but then... Um, struggled to break 32 points total in the second and fourth quarters combined. They had a terrible second quarter, terrible fourth quarter, which has kind of been their MO this season. If you look at the by quarter numbers and really struggled to close this one out, they're up four headed to the fourth quarter, ended up losing by, by two, um, or excuse me. Yeah. They were up four headed to the fourth quarter, ended up losing by two to the nuggets. Uh, Jokic had a big game, 26, 19 and seven, although he had seven turnovers last time out against the wolves. And, um, that was, I mean, he was kind of the show. Uh, Monty, Monty Morris had a good game, 16 points for them last time around. And the Timberwolves had a balanced attack themselves. Ant, Cat, and D'Lo all scored 14 points. Nobody had a fantastic shooting game. Minnesota shot 39% from the field, 32% from three the last time these two teams played. And the Wolves attempted just nine free throws when they played the Nuggets last time. The Nuggets attempted 16. Um, it was kind of a rugged game, yet, again, not really free throw attempts for the Timberwolves. They didn't they didn't really uh, rack those up. Remember, this was the one one of maybe three good Malik Beasley games this year. He scored 18 points. He dropped six threes at his former team, so hopefully he comes to play in Denver this time, too. Remember, the last time was at Target Center. Way back when, uh, Patrick Beverly was still coming off the bench. Jade McDaniels was starting for the Wolves. Um, now that Beverly's in the starting lineup, that's obviously a, uh, that's, as I just talked about, related to um, to the lineup, the, you know, the greatest lineup ever, according to John Schumann. Beverly with the starting lineup, with the, the rest of the guys that have been starters all season, has been really advantageous for the Wolves. Um, in terms of who the Nuggets have lost to and beat recently, they split a couple games with the Spurs. They lost to the Bulls, and uh, they lost some bad ones, too. They lost to the Magic. They lost to Portland. Uh, but they've also beaten some pretty decent teams, although most recently, you know, a couple of their recent wins are the Spurs, Pelicans, Knicks. Not too sexy, but they've also beaten the Heat. And then last time out, they beat the Wizards. And again, a very shorthanded team. So we have to give them credit for that. Um, but again, I mean, this side of Jokic, who's been phenomenal, by the way, you could easily make a case, another MVP case for him, just simply because of how good he's been. But if you want to play the, oh, well, his team's only 14 and 13. Well, who's he playing with? I mean, Aaron Gordon played the other day, but uh, I mean, Aaron Gordon has has largely been healthy this season. But uh, I mean, besides Aaron Gordon, who is, who's, what else is there there, given the injuries that they've had? I mean, what other players is he playing with in the starting lineup that are, I mean, Jermichael Green um, missed missed the last game. Uh, you know, Monty Morris has been good this season, but you've got guys coming off the bench playing, you know, Bones Highland wasn't expected to have to do much this year. He played 20 minutes against Washington the other night. Facundo Campazzo was obviously part of the rotation last season and did a lot for them, but Zeke Naji playing heavy minutes. Um, just, just go down, Marcus Howard, go down the list. Guys are being are being asked to step up that hadn't been expected to need to stand up for the Nuggets, and that's a testament to what Jokic has done, and also again um, to what to what Michael Malone's done as the coach there. They still remain a really interesting team in terms of they they play at a slow pace, but they like shooting threes. They're eleventh in free th- or excuse me three point rate league wide this season, so they're only fourteenth in attempts per game. But because of the pace they play at, they're eleventh in rate. And they're 19th in three-point percentage because this side of really Will Barton and uh, Jokic is shooting a career best 37 plus percent from out there. They're a pretty average shooting team from outside the arc. Uh, They also don't get to the free throw line a ton, which is interesting. Uh, They're given, 
Jokic, and it seems like he should draw a lot more fouls, or at least he thinks he should draw a lot more fouls. They're 29th in free throw rate, which could be helpful for the Wolves, who are still last in allowing opponents to shoot free throws, right? The Wolves allow the highest free throw rate to opponents of any team in the league, and the Nuggets are second to worst, second to last in terms of free throw rate on offense. So that should help the Wolves also rebounding the ball. The Nuggets are 29th in offensive rebound rate. They don't crash the glass. The Wolves are 30th in defensive rebound rate. So that's another advantage, Minnesota. This is clearly a game the Nuggets are going to be favored in. Um, but given their injuries and their illnesses and everything going on with Denver and the Wolves playing much better Sunday, being relatively healthy. D'Angelo Russell, by the way, is listed as questionable, even though he played on Sunday and apparently practiced on Tuesday. So I would expect him to play. But if D'Lo plays, this is a winnable game for Minnesota. I'm, I'm guessing that the betonline.ag line is going to have the Nuggets by you know two, two and a half, probably. But this wouldn't shock me if the Wolves pulled it out. Uh, the Nuggets are a beatable team, especially battered as they are. The, uh, the, the rebounding stuff and the free throw rate stuff lines up with some of the Wolves' weaknesses where Minnesota should be able to paper that over against this team. And again, if they played like they did against Portland, it's a winnable game for Minnesota. All right, we'll be back after the game, of course, with the post-game pod, as always. So that'll be Thursday's show that'll post late Wednesday. This is an 8 p.m. Central tip on Wednesday night, so it'll it'll post probably a little before midnight Central time, uh, Wednesday into Thursday. So be sure, if you're not already following or subscribed, that you do so. Thank you for those of you that do make Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. Remember, the show is free and available on all platforms. That includes YouTube. And if you don't want to watch me talk to you about the Timberwolves, you can listen anywhere you like to listen, Apple, Google, Spotify, and the all-new Odyssey app. You can also follow on Twitter at Locked on T-Wolves and at B-Beacon with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. All right, that's all I have for today. Thanks for listening to the Locked on Wolves podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Remember, the Locked on Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked on Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.